music, that's, that's how you, it has this um, particular potency with how you form memories. Um, and that's why it's such a powerful art form as well. Like, I mean, a lot of people have a strong visual memory, but I feel like the, like remembering something that happened when you were listening to a song is a really kind of automatic connection. Uncommon Good, the podcast where we chat to ordinary people doing uncommon good in service of our common humanity. I'm Polly Reese. I am thrilled beyond measure to bring you Octavia McAloon, a dear, dear friend, a musician, a conductor, a songwriter, a composer, alumna of the Yale School of Music and the Institute for Sacred Music at Yale Divinity School. She is a devoted Northwesterner a profound lover of trees and forests, and a Twitch streamer where she performs her songs weekly. Quick content warning off the top, we do talk a little bit about alcohol right at the beginning of the episode, so if that's not something that you feel is appropriate for you to listen to right now, skip around to like say 10 minutes in, um, and we should be past it. Couple things we talk about. Growing up in rural Oregon, the biggest candle in the world, practicing spirituality in nature, navigating music gigs in Christian churches, in so many different places, particularly in Seattle, how she found an audience during the pandemic, and now gene bottles and video games. Give you a little hint. We both really love Stardew Valley. She's got a brand new folk opera called Skybound out now. And she performs two songs live on the show. So make sure that you listen through to the end. Please enjoy my conversation with Octavia. We were just wishing each other a happy, like a happy show, a happy recording. Hi, everybody. This is Uncommon Good. Um, And my guest today is... Octavia McAloon. So many accolades, um, but I know you best as someone um, who I had the privilege of serving Negronis to in my tiny little um, (laughs) divorcee apartment in New Haven. I believe you are mistaken. I don't drink Negronis. I think most often what you made me were very pretty pink and purple gin drinks, like the pink lady in the aviation. That's right. I made I made you the pink lady, um, and uh, your and your now husband is um, is the yeah. Negroni drinker. He he's like more into Sazeracs, I think. But we we yeah, from time to time, I just like I like a little something sweet, you know. Yeah, and Negroni and is like, my mom's drink. <laughs> <laughs> and grenadine is that perfect sort of like kind of sweet. Um, mm-hmm. But we're we're talking about drinking vessels at the moment, um, and. Um, we're talking about how I have managed to actually shatter my um, my Yale Divinity School now gene bottle. Like seems impossible. It's supposed to be impossible, right? I guess, yeah. I mean, I'd be very sad if I broke mine because I have all my all my stickers. You've got these amazing stickers. Um, I don't have for, room for, for my for my friends who. Um, who struggle, who, who are who are visually impaired. Um, Octavia is wearing this um, wonderful, um, very sort of light, almost creamy colored top. Um, and then a, a shawl that is this beautiful black um, 
there's a, a lovely baby grand um, sitting behind her with amps and a guitar stand uh, and a beautiful and some plant. extra monitors. <laughs> and, and oh, extra this monitors. plant. Uh, I moved it in here just today because I'm like, we need plants on the table or on the piano. This is a Stromancy Tria Star. And like the bottom side of the leaves is like bright magenta. And when I get houseplants, I love the ones that have like white or pink or purple on them. <laughs> Does the plant have a name? I haven't named like you know people named any of my plants. I know some people do that. I'm just like I don't know. It, it's the silvery one. It's the pink one. <laughs> that that um that's that that makes them sort of like like episodes of Friends. The silvery one. Oh, the pink yeah. one. <laughs> the one with the variegation. Uh, <laughs> the one with the variegation. Um. But I, 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 I raise, uh, in particular, I'm, I'm so thrilled to, to raise um, the visual description of your um, recording space because you moved recently. Yeah, uh, we, I, as of yesterday, all of our belongings are in this apartment. So it's, uh, it's very fresh. Yesterday was the move of all the big furniture, including the piano and the bed frame and the couch. Uh, so now I don't have to sit on the floor anymore and my mattress gets to be on you know a frame and not on the floor where you have to like hurt your knees every morning when you get up and you're just like oh time to, time to get up time to work uh yeah so it feels much nicer even though it's still like a lot of stuff everywhere but are very we're very excited to be up here we just moved to bellingham washington from seattle so i'm not a big change but like i don't know culture wise emotionally yeah. it feels like a big change I love that. Um, I'm imagining you like having your calisthenics done for the day just by getting out of bed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Who needs a yoga session when all I did is stand up? <laughs> um, you, it, we're we're talking we're talking about places and where where we're rooted. You told me that there is a tiny town um, with a name that I found so unique and unforgettable called Scapoose. Yeah, and actually, if you say it like that, they'll get mad at you. Uh, it's Scapoose, not Scapoose. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, I have I yeah. have I have offended the great Scapooseans. Um, so, yeah, I haven't lived so. there in a very long time. That's where I went to high school. So it's a, a very, very small town uh, outside of uh, Portland by like half an hour out in Columbia County. And it's a area with beautiful land. And as far as I'm concerned, some questionable politics. But uh, that's just me. <laughs> right. The, uh, the the one thing that you both told me about and that I was able to find being the pride of Scapoose uh, is that is the, the this giant candle the big candle yeah the big candle um tell me tell me what you remember about the big candle i like so we moved there when i was i want to say 12 and i think 12 year old me was just like huh okay and just you know kids just like accept the things that are around them i didn't really think about how weird it was until after i left and was like oh yeah the, mm. the place i went to high school and it has the world's largest candle like the whole thing mm. isn't like filled with what it's not like a, this is so stupid uh, it's not like a real candle it's just like a giant shape that i think has candle stuff in yeah. it i don't know there's a shop at the bottom um yeah. yeah i don't know man it's just this giant red thing as you drive in and <laughs> gotta have your claim to fame somehow 
And why not make it a giant candle? Yeah, why not? I should do that here. What is the... What what could you imagine making be like the oversized version of normal household object to make the like the cultural touch point of Bellingham Bellingham? I almost did it again. Bellingham. Bellingham. I, <laughs> I, I I almost pissed off like two small towns in the uh, Pacific Northwest. Um, okay. Bellingham, Washington. I okay. What household object? Hmm. Can I say like canvas tote bag or like Birkenstocks or something Absolutely like that? Absolutely, you can. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, we're we're new here. It's you know a very northwesty vibe, so it's not like all that different from where we've lived before. It's just it's yeah. not like as big of a city as Seattle. So yeah, I don't know. Just very uh, very northwest uh, crunchy vibes. I love the crunchy vibes. Crunchy vibes. Um, Help me understand what makes the Northwest in that use use of the word crunchy. What makes the Northwest crunchy? Oh, uh, it's like a little bit. I mean, it's. I feel like the word crunchy is like similar to like how people use the word hippie. Um, you know, it's a little bit offbeat. It's a little mm. bit. Um, it's, I think it's like fairly nature inspired. It's. I think anyone mm. who would call themselves crunchy. Uh, is either like someone who's like out in the woods all the time or like only shops at Whole Foods and thinks that they're, you know, crunchy. But like, I would say it's like, it's like going to the co-op, going to the farmer's markets and uh, I don't know, using uh, essential oils as your perfume on the little like rolly things. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Which um, I, I do all of those things. You're making me think of like, the, <laughs> like, like, um, uh, like mini pretzels and crackle bars. Um, we're, we're like my crunchy touch points as a kid. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how old this term is. I feel like it's just, I don't know, maybe like five to 10 years, somewhere around there. Also, um, I mean, who doesn't love a good crunchy granola? Yeah. Fair. Especially if you go hiking all the time, like, and mm. granola is great. Cause like you can put candy in it. <laughs> like, I mean, it's trail trail mix and stuff, but like, you know, you can just be like, oh yeah, this one has like all of the chocolate and the chocolate covered espresso beans and you can get those yogurt pretzels, which is just like, yeah, this is, this is a treat. But if you, if you climb a little mountain, you can have whatever treats you want, like firmly behind that. Mm -hmm. So for any, for any of you like seven year olds that are having a hard time getting the good snacks um, from parents, um, just, just go climb a mountain and, 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 um, the good snacks are, are, are yours. Yeah. All of the seven-year-olds in your demographic are going to be really excited by that. <laughs> they officially, they officially have permission from the podcast. Yeah. Um, I want to, I, I, I want to give a little context for how we know each other. We met, um, in uh, the Institute for Sacred Music, which mm-hmm. is a joint venture between uh, Yale Divinity School and the School of Music. Um, I, I was a student at um, the Divinity School side, um, and you were a student at the School of Music side. Um, I would love to know um, what what was the. I, I remember I remember that you were your your degree was in in um, choral conducting. Um, mm-hmm. What was the experience of of doing um, 
the the masters of music work now that what does that feel like now that um we're part of a pandemic uh removed from that time yeah um well, I think the way I thought I was going to be getting work when I was in that program is mm-hmm. pretty different from how I how I am working now. Um, and, it, you know, that's I, I think maybe that's just me personally, because I think uh, other people that are in my program have gone on and done like exactly the thing that they were looking at. But like those things that they wanted and were so sure about tended to be um, director of choral activities or head of choral activities at like at universities. Yeah. And um, that's. Not really something I ever saw myself doing. Um, like mm. I, I can, I can do directing as a teaching position, but I'd really rather it be professionals working in an artistic setting than like just an educational setting. Yeah. Um, so I, I never wanted to go on and do head of choral activities. I didn't think it was going to suit me very well. Yeah. Um, so through the pandemic, I mean, so we moved back here, or back to Washington after living in Connecticut for Yale. Um, we moved back here right. at the end of summer, 2019. Uh, which was about six-ish months before the pandemic started. So I, we were moving back, and I'm all thinking that uh, I'm going to get like so ingrained in the like Seattle music scene. I'm going to be playing mm-hmm. shows out all the time. This is like giving myself a year to go like meet everybody and go out all the time. Yeah. Um, and you know, I didn't do that much over the winter. I did a little bit like when we first got there, uh, and then suddenly no, uh, and everyone <laughs> just had to kind of adjust because no there were no longer any um any in-person shows and I I think there started to be in-person shows sooner than there should have been like right now everywhere in the U.S. is basically a really high risk for COVID but people don't really care anymore so for me personally I'm still kind of juggling the feeling of not wanting to be in a big crowded space with feeling like well that's what that's what the job is um, and I guess I haven't yeah. mentioned this before, but the job I'm talking about right now is as a folk singer songwriter, because these are two things that I do that are like opposite poles, but they're both really heavily affected by not being able to make music together. So I guess, uh, to go back to what your question actually was, it's been a huge change. Uh, but I think a lot of things came out of it for the better. Yeah. I think things are good. Things are in a way that I never would have expected before that. Um, but yeah, it's good. Can you say more? Can you say like, what, what were you expecting? Um, well, I was expecting to, uh, continue working as like, I was working as a like assistant conductor to this like medium-sized ensemble uh, that I've worked with uh, before in Seattle, and um, mm. that you know just stopped entirely. And mm. when it started back up, it was all um, like virtual choir things. And I understand that that was the only option, but artistically, I got literally nothing out of doing virtual choir. Like I'll do it as a job, but I'm not going to do it as like this is a fun thing to be involved in because I don't. You probably did some virtual choir stuff too. I don't know, maybe, but. It's More not than fun. A little. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not fun. Uh, it's just I'm sitting at my house and I'm just recording this one part of a choral song, and it's just it it just makes you feel how much is missing. Yeah. Um. So I thought I was going to be doing some pretty constant ensemble work, and then I had a friend and I that actually started a new ensemble over the last year, and uh, 
it's just uh, been hard to kind of keep things going at a um, at a decent pace rather than just like, okay, I have I have a couple months to deal with it this year, but maybe we'll yeah. see next year if I can come back to it. Um, yeah, and then also on the, on the folky side, um, the changes largely were that, like I was saying before, I'm not, you know, I wasn't gigging as much. I'm now starting to get kind of back into that a bit. Um, but because of that, I started streaming on Twitch. I started streaming uh, on Twitch music. Uh, so I'm playing like live music for three hour sets a couple times a week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is something that I, that's like, I think that's number one, never would have expected to be doing that. And like Twitch, isn't that the gaming website? Like, yes, but also we've got this happy little pocket, this little corner on the side that nobody knows about where everybody is really nice and they just want to hear the people that they like play songs and hang out yeah. and chat and be friendly. Um, so that's been like quite a blessing uh, that that was just a big surprise and I'm really happy with it. So I think I've been doing Twitch about a year and a half now. Yeah, just about a year and a half. Um, yeah, and I don't see myself stopping at any point soon because it enables us to do things where we can work remotely and I want yes. to live out in the forest and be a little bit yes. farther away from cities. So <laughs> being able to do that, as long as we have good inter internet, I can still have some work. Um, is there anything, thinking about, thinking about your experience of, of performing on Twitch, um, mm -hmm. to to your audience which can interact with you like via the the, the text scroll um, and the experience of live performance um, in person is there anything about the twitch experience of performing that feels familiar that 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 feels familiar to the experience of, of live performance with uh, with live mm -hmm. audience um, yeah, and I absolutely. wonder if you can talk about the things that feel really, really different, but but that feel welcoming. Yeah. Okay. So the biggest difference to get used to is um, you finish a song and you're just in a room by yourself, and uh, mm. you know you don't hear any clapping. You don't like. There's nothing that's like obviously interacting with you unless you're following and reading the chat. Um, so the thing that I missed most when I started was, you know, hearing actual applause. It's not something that, you know, I get to deal with very often, uh, especially since 2020. Um, but I think another thing that it is missing is, um, and this kind of just follows my own, <laughs> my own spiritual beliefs. I, when I play my music for, um, a room of people who are listening, you know, in person, um, I feel like I'm doing something magical. Like I think about how a bard character is often portrayed. If you think about fantasy and D and D and things like that, and bards are these kind of like flouncy, loud, energetic, like very you know over the top sort of characters who are very silly usually. And I feel like that's so opposite of what my experience is as someone who feels like they're making magic when they perform. Um, so I feel like when I'm in front of real people that I can kind of feel this, um, this pull, this sort of like, I like to use the word bewitching, this, that sort of aspect to like how I interact with the energy of the room. Yeah. Um, so I think those are the two major things that, you know, uh, playing online is missing. However, um, having, you know, this kind of stop and start conversation the whole time when you're playing, uh, you know, you finish a song, you go back to a conversation, people get to know you, uh, you know, telling jokes, talking about other songs that they like, uh, doing song requests that are off of, you know, a list that I have that's just like, these are the songs 
I'm ready to play for you. Um, if you request something off list, I'm not going to do it. Um, but there's just, I have a lot of regulars now who are there pretty yeah. much every single stream. And, you know, the number of people I have watching me on average is more than I would ever get for people who, like, would come out to see me um, at a live yeah. show, which is, like, if it, you know, if I'm playing a gig, if I get, like, you know, if I'm responsible for bringing in, like, you know, 10 or 15 people that, like, know me and want to see me specifically, um, you know, versus 40 to 70-ish uh, on Twitch, it's just, it's very different. And it's not all of them are talking, but... A lot of them are, and they're just there to have a good time and be nice and say, you know, clap, 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 and use their emotes and uh, just right. to enjoy the music. Only, only good vibes. Yeah, it's been uh, instrumental in helping me finish up my uh, my next album, and uh, yeah, just they know all of my unreleased original music and. Like I said, it's unreleased. Like no one else yeah. knows about this except for the, this group of people. And they get to hear all of these things that are, you know, this little secret that we have. So I think it's pretty neat. <laughs> and it's in, in, in a day and age like this, it's nice to have a secret. You know, that's a very good point. Yeah. When everything is just kind of like out all the time, that's the whole thing is if you want to be if you want to get more people to follow your Instagram and your TikTok, you have to post like four times a day. You have to post all the time and share everything that you're doing. Well, people don't actually want to see every single thing that you're doing. They just want like one piece of genuine connection. There is, there's just so much insight in that, that we that that that, that it, it certainly seems based on all of the conversations all all of the the tapings that we've had so far of uncommon good that that that's that's the one thing that links everybody that that everyone's looking for this connection that you've described and there are so many things um in our world that can um approximate that um yeah. but but not necessarily um actually actually do that yeah it's quantity over quality right and mm. uh you know if you're trying to look at music marketing stuff like all of the websites you'll see will tell you you know put as much out as you possibly can um but you know who's like writing those guides is people who work on those platforms and want their platform to be full and busy all the time like it's not actually about creating a better experience for a creator or for the people who are following that content mm. Something that just strikes me um, in in hearing how you are taking this path that feels very deliberate in building your community and finding your people in moving out of Seattle is that you have chosen intentionally across so many points of your life to move slower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um You've probably, I think everyone's heard the term slow living, maybe. Maybe not everyone, but I think a lot of people have heard the term slow living at this point. It's kind of a, a, a pop word, a, a buzz term right now that people like mm. to talk about. Um, typically paired with the term mindfulness, right? And um, I think the audiences that use those terms a lot, and I, I use the word mindfulness a lot, but I think 
mindfulness plus slow living are things that I absolutely subscribe to and would like to include more often in my you know day to day life. But those terms typically come from uh, you know older older cultural practices from before we were so bound by um, being beholden to whatever else is on the internet or whatever's on your phone. And I, I yeah. sound like I'm like jumping off the defense with like, oh, throw your phone away. I'm not saying that, you know, <laughs> I definitely scroll TikTok a lot, which maybe, maybe is not great. But uh, yeah, I've, I've seen some commentary about how um, the people who are trying to follow like mindfulness, slow living are following something that looks a lot like how a lot of indigenous communities lived. Uh, and, you know, we're just kind of putting this rebranding on it. I think typically you will see yeah. that the um, like people using those terms are, I think, predominantly white. You know, and it's just part of part of this sort of a new age poll that there is right now. There's kind of a boom in that aspect of spirituality. We're discovering that um, late stage capitalism has found a way to make money off of self-care. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And. Yeah, it's uh, it feels like it's kind of taking it away from you when you recognize that, at mm. least. I don't know. Maybe that's how I felt about it. But uh, taking care of yourself is a personal thing. And sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes it's not uh, buying bath bombs and, uh, you know, getting yourself uh, something else from, you know, some retail therapy, which I totally understand. Retail therapy is a thing that makes a lot of people feel really good. Um, but it only feels good for a little bit, like this little shiny yeah. moment. And then you take your things home and then they're just things. But um, yeah, I mean, sometimes self-care is like, this is the day that I have to answer those emails because I have felt awful about these emails for the past four days and I didn't want to do it. You know, things that uh, are a little less, uh, mm. a little less shiny. Or... Uh, uh one, well, one, you're speaking my language. You're you're, you're <laughs> prophesying about like half of my weekend, um, and and two, like all of the boring things that help our lives be manageable, mm -hmm. and be be lives well lived with dignity and love and respect for self. Yeah, like yeah. you said, hard to do that with uh, late stage capitalism, right? <laughs> <laughs> I. I, I want to draw another thread um, to the front that we've talked about in bits and passing um, is that um, you have always struck me over the, the course of our, our collaborations and our friendship that you're an incredibly, you, you have a level of spiritual depth about yourself that, that I don't have the privilege of seeing from someone who isn't going to, who hasn't couched it in um, a, in a faith tradition that has a very specific rhetoric to it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to name, I'm going to name that as broadly speaking, Protestant and Catholic Christianity. Yeah. Um, And 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 for me, as someone as someone who lives in the tension of of being a participant in in a in a, a religious system and structure um, that that relies on those things, um, it's it, it's refreshing to to see that to get to to participate in in your orbit. 
Um, so the question, and I promise that there's, there's actually a question coming. (laughs) Um, I wonder, uh, I I wonder if you can just say a little bit more about where you are rooted and how you are grounded. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, uh, grew up without any sort of religion and my parents aren't religious. Um, Mm. I think my dad's atheist even i think my mom is like middling something spiritual i don't know it wasn't really a part of my life um i don't know as a teenager uh i think my closest kind of brush with religion was just like there were people around me that were religious and sometimes talked about it and um like when I sang a religious text in school and that was kind of like the yeah. most that i got from um anything out of christianity uh and then uh when I went to college, um, I was thinking about like maybe trying out some churches. So I was like looking online for, you know, what's a good vibe. And I went to a couple and I was just not really into it. Um, and then later on, a couple years later, I started working as, um, as a soprano section leader, which for people with my experience, that's kind of what everyone does is gets a church job of some sort. Um, so yeah. I started singing in churches and, you know, being completely, uh, out of the loop on any of the normal practices there. Like for the first couple of services, maybe for the first month or so, I was just like, you know, looking at someone else, like we, we stand now and we all say this thing or just like (laughs) someone, they, they say this thing. I don't say this thing. Whoops. Okay. (laughs) And uh, just trying to follow Cause you know, there's so many things that are part of like, yeah, the kids grew up looking like knowing how this service works and uh, you know, knowing these, uh, the responses of, um, uh, you know, Christ is risen, the, uh, like all the like hallelujahs and all the things that you follow up with that are just like kind of regular back and forth that, um, you know, yes. the first time they happened when I was, you know, working in a position like that, I was like, oh, how did you know where that was? That's not even printed in the bulletin. <laughs> um, so that was my experience, like entering into the church. And I wouldn't say that, you know, that doesn't make yeah. me a member, right? That's just, I was someone that worked there, right? Um, yeah. And uh Sing beautiful From, things, collect check, maybe go, yeah. have, go have a pint after. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So then I, um, I was fortunate that the places I was working, I think almost, you know, I want to say just about every church that I worked at regularly. Yeah, every single church that I've worked at as like, that's the main job that I have, um, has had gay clergy. So they've always been like mm-hmm. very... Uh, very left of center, um, typically about racial justice and about being open and affirming, um, which that is, I totally understand, not most people's experience with um, Mm. brushing up against Christianity from a sort of outside perspective. Mm. Um, So because I was in places that were more um, aligned with the things that I agreed with, um, I definitely started to like get something out of it um get something out of it where I felt like I was kind of being a little bit drawn in um where I I wouldn't call myself Christian at any point but I felt like I don't know I'm like 15% of the way there if it's if it's a a journey or a spectrum rather um but looking back on that feeling now that feeling from when I was maybe I want to say 23-ish is around when I started like being involved in uh, places like that. Um, I think a lot of that that feeling stemmed from a, something that I've heard called as like a goddess-shaped longing or a god-shaped longing um, to yeah. have some sort of 
interaction to feel some sort of connection with something that feels divine. And, uh, you know, if you're not brought up in a religion, it's hard to, um, I really struggled with the, the idea that it's nearly impossible to make yourself believe something. Like I was going in these services and like, yeah, I'm here for work, but like, I want to believe this. And I just, I don't really. Um, and I, I tried uh, for a long time. Um, but I think you'll often hear people talk about Christianity as a relationship with Jesus Christ. And while I could get behind in these places that I work specifically, not, you know, in an evangelical place, but in these places, I could get behind, you know, everything they're talking about, everything they're teaching, most of the readings, you know, sometimes one comes up and everyone's just like, oh, this is a weird one. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes there's one that's just like, oh, this one's about masturbation or you know, divorce or something that was just like, all right, we didn't really need to go there that morning. Really, just real, really, really uncomfortable things that either very conveniently doesn't get preached about in a sermon, or mm -hmm. if it does get preached about, gets preached about in the most apologetic way possible. Yeah, you know, starting the sermon with, all right, guys, here's a doozy for you. <laughs> you know, something <laughs> along those lines. We're recording on the Thursday um, that um, that the American president is intending to make like a big primetime speech uh, to, mm -hmm. to the country. And, and I'm just imagine, imagining like old, old Joe being like, okay, America, um, here, here, here's, here's a doozy. doozy for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, so uh, I was saying that, um, like, I could get behind, you know, the majority of the things that they're teaching, the things that they're talking about, the ways that they, you know, want to be in relation with yeah. each other. Um, but I, you know, try as I might to follow it. I never felt like I had any semblance of, you know, that term relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, I, I didn't feel it, and I wanted to, and I tried. Um, and when I went to college, where you and I met, um, to grad school, uh, I was in churches all the time. Um, yeah. I think I sang, I think I had maybe seven church calls a week. Now those are not all performances, um, but it's like a lot of different styles of, of Christianity specifically that I was involved in there. And I thought like, after all that, like if I'm still not getting it, I think this particular brand just may not be for me. You can, um, you can say it, you can say a great, no, thank you. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't, I don't disagree with it. I don't think it's, you know, wrong. I have no problems with it. I work in churches and I'd like, I really want the people who are there to have a good time and have the spiritual experience that they're looking for. Um, but it's just, it's never, it's never happened, you know, with me. Yeah. Um, so I guess some years down, line, down the line from that uh, kind of developed into um, still feeling this kind of, uh, innate longing for searching for something sacred um and as i thought about that a lot and kind of uh, wanted to start putting words to it um it just felt like the things that i found most divine had uh to do kind of with two different aspects um one is this sort of uh this god energy this creator energy this sort of um i hear people talk about a source um things like that. And the other is the, like the sacredness of the earth. And that's, you know, these things together is kind of, I wouldn't call this a religion, but this is like where my heart is as far as spirituality goes. So uh, it's taken a while to kind of get there, but um, yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> I, I use the term witch for myself, which I think a lot of people don't really understand what that means. Um, and it means something different for every single person. Um, for me, it means I follow a nature-based religion that doesn't really have a lot of rules like Wicca does. And I, uh, I like to be outside. I like to meditate. I like to, um, I don't know, just uh, put my intention into everything that I'm doing. And uh, <laughs> there are people on, you know, some uh, Fox News and some network news and some, like, you know, people's YouTube channels uh, that have said recently that they literally think we should bring back burning women at the stake. Um, so these are the things that I do and this is the term that I use and that's the term that they're using for the same thing. And I just, uh, it's weird. It's a weird, it's a weird middle place to live in, I guess. It's, it's such a profound thing to think that one word could mean such a sacred, perhaps, even holy experience for you while it could mean um, such a horrendously violent action at mm -hmm. the same time. Yeah, and if you're looking back at uh, like the witch hunts in history, like that was not about uh, people practicing witchcraft, that was about getting women to stop uh, speaking up or to stop you know, doing anything that they had any control over. Um, uh, it's been, throughout history, it's largely been a lot of, you know, the church that has yeah. been trying to uh, control people's actions um, by using fear. And I think, you know, the places that I've worked, the places that I felt really comfortable are all about, you know, rectifying that, recognizing how, how awful and toxic that was and, like, building up something better. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they use the term witch to mean something that, someone could who could do something bad to you and because they could do something bad to you we should kill them and like you know where i know it says uh, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live but other than that you know how do you how are you justifying this <laughs> well i mean not not in the decalogue at least not in not in the uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the, t the 10 that everybody likes to talk about mm -hmm. um i want to turn our I want to turn our imaginations to more possibility and, and more, more life and generative spaces. Um, I wonder if you can tell me about um, the times when you're doing your work in life, when you're in this plane of existence that you feel the most alive and mm -hmm. that you feel most like, I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. I think it's just out in, actually there's a plane going by right now, so it's just gonna like totally contradict what I'm saying. It's uh, when I'm out in the forest and it's silent. Yeah. Just waiting for this to stop. Um, I don't think it's coming through in the mic much though. No, but, not that I can hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so my favorite kind of like most magical nature experience is if there's some sort of forested space that has a little bit of light dappling through it, um, especially if it's somewhere near like a mountain view. And if you can't hear people, and that's kind of an issue for me because I'm, I'm married, I usually hike with someone else because I like to go with that other person, you know? Yeah. Um, but I like to just uh, 
I like to sit in silence where the only thing you can hear is like the breeze and uh, nature sounds. And that to me is incredibly restorative. And I think many other people would agree with that without feeling like, oh, that's magic or, oh, that's something mm. pagan, which to me it is. But everyone, like every culture in the world has recognized that there is something um, healing about nature. Um, and then, yeah, I, I guess as far as, because you asked in my work, um, so on the other end of the spectrum, it's also when I am like putting together, uh, when I'm singing with a vocal ensemble in really close harmony, doing music that is culturally, re culturally relevant and beautiful and just working with people who know how to do their job, you know, um, yes. it makes it sound really basic, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, with, with people who sing well and can read well and have a good ear, but are also, you know, friends you want to be around. Such yes. a weird thing to find that, a hard thing to find that combination um, of, you know, not judging your friends for their artistic ability and not uh, trying to make your artist friends or your artist uh, colleagues your friends. But when they happen to line up together like that is perfect. Hmm. Uh, I'm... I'm reflecting on some of the some of the work that we had the privilege of doing together, um, mm -hmm. and um, your um, for 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 those who are not familiar, um, Octavia has this most um, just light, um, effortless sounding because <laughs> I am very aware that that proper vocal technique requires a oh, whole you just lot float. of attention. Just float. Um, you can just hold it forever. <laughs> Right, but but you have you have this incredible you have this incredible soprano that like, and I'm I'm thinking in particular about a composer uh, Joby Talbot, um, mm -hmm. who who composed a piece called Path of Miracles, um, which we had the pr the privi privilege of of hearing you um, just float. I'm doing scare quotes um, on on multiple occasions. Um, yeah, that's one of my favorite pieces of music in the whole world. I think that's. Uh... It's like in my top, it's definitely in my top five. I think it might be in my, my top two for like choral yeah. music pieces. Um, yeah, it's Joby, Joby Talbot's Path of Miracles and then the Martin Mess, uh, Mess for Double Chorus, Mess pour Double Chorus, uh, mm -hmm. which I did on my, um, on my degree recital there. But yes, yeah, singing, singing Path of Miracles was <laughs> amazing. And I think it's, it's gained a lot of popularity uh, in the last like, I want to say eight years or so, even though it was composed, yeah. I want to say something around 2003-ish, something like that. Um, so since it's kind of come back into uh, the public eye a, a lot, uh, I think a lot of people have done at least uh, the last movement of it. And it's just, it's very complicated, but it is so fun to sing. Like if you, if you can keep up with it, um, yeah. I miss it. And I feel like that was such a high level of music making that I'm hoping I'll be able to do again sometime soon it's hard when you uh move to smaller cities and you have kind of a smaller pool to work with yeah one of the things i i, I know that we also share in common is that we both have have a, a profound affinity for video gaming yeah <laughs> yes indeed so i i wanted to ask um first and foremost what are you playing right now Ugh. So I, I have a bad habit. Sorry to grunt at your question. I have a bad habit of being um, 
a serial game repeater and like I have so yes. many things in my Steam library but like when I'm just like oh I don't know I just want to like take a break and just like play something and just go back to the same like five <laughs> titles like all the time um so I was just playing like Valheim for a bit like over the past couple of weeks and now I feel like mm-hmm. I've okay, I've done a lot of this. I think it's time to move on to another thing. Um, another one I always like come back to time and time again until it makes me mad um, is playing a lot of Path of Exile, which is like, um, mm-hmm. if you're familiar with the Diablo games, it's like that, but it's free to play and uh, like very heavily dev supported. Um, and then I also like love to replay all of the Elder Scrolls games. Okay, not all of the first ones are super weird, um, but since <laughs> since uh, Bethesda uh, was has been backing them, or have they yeah. always? I know they bought the Fallout series, but anyways, those earlier ones are weird. Um, but I've played a lot of Morrowind. I've played a ton of Oblivion and Skyrim, and those are like my kind of yeah. comfort food games. Especially when I lived in Connecticut and I missed the Northwest desperately because um, I'm you know from here. I love mountain views and water and evergreen trees and being in a place that was mildly hilly with some kind of polluted water in the bay and like <laughs> no real mountain views. Um, it, yeah. It, yeah. it hurt. I wrote a lot of songs about being really homesick while I was there. Um, but yeah. when I was, yeah, when I felt really bad, I played uh, Skyrim because like you walk out and you're just like, it looks like home and the music is, you know, nostalgic and I love this game and it's so silly and I love it a lot. So I don't know. Cool. What are you playing? Um, so my, um, my comfort food games, um, literally, literally these were, these were my, um, sick bed, like recovery bed games were, um, Hades. Um, oh yeah. Cause great soundtrack on that too. Amazing soundtrack. Like there is no reason for that soundtrack to be as good as it is. It could it's have been Darren a Darren Corb, right? Yes. And right? he did. He's done like all of their games, and I think he's also the voice actor for Zagreus. I, I think you're right about that. Um, but that would have that game would have played perfectly fine even without all of the incredible tracks that they recorded. But mm-hmm. they recorded them anyway. They yeah. recorded acoustic versions of a bunch of different tracks that if you play enough, you get to hear. Like, there's so um, there, there's so much that I love about that game. And it even says, like, like it, 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 it's built into that game to encourage you to keep playing and coming back. Um, mm-hmm. So they are number one. Um, uh, Celeste. Um, yeah. Okay, so you like, you like hard games. <laughs> Well, I, I grew I grew up in the era uh, like I I was I was a Sega Genesis console mm-hmm, kind of guy. Yeah, like that was that was my first console, and then um, was was also a quarter arcade uh, lady, like playing playing the the endless quarter side scrollers, playing like The Simpsons and um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and and X Men, um, mm-hmm. and the. The thing about the thing about the Sega, I was just talking with another friend on another podcast about this, is that um, the, the, all of these games, there's there's no save point, so right. the, there is what and and Celeste only introduced what is one of the first games that has the level of difficulty that um, you had to learn from like rote memorization. Um, mm-hmm. The the most the most evil offender of that being um, Battletoads. Um, and it, but, but Celeste lets you 
save pretty much at the end of every screen. Um, yeah. Also so, a great soundtrack. Oh gosh, like the 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 depiction of of the the plight of of trans identity and anxiety and the gentleness with which they create the um the story the story of of mental health and and also just fun is is uh is amazing um i i uh i, I this is this is horrible but i got into speed running stardew valley um i okay i am also a very hardcore stardew valley player i don't like i mean I wouldn't use the term speed run, but like I know where the people are and like which yes. foods you need to bring to the luau to get you know, to make sure you get the best reaction with everybody. Yes. Like I play a lot of Stardew yes. Valley. I um, so when I say speed run, it was always my goal to finish the community center before the end of year one. Yeah, and there's like if you miss like one ingredient that you can get from like this one, like if something from the special cart shows up or something, and you if you miss it, then it's like. You can't get it until next year. That's it. Exactly. And you always take the fruit bats. Don't take the mushroom bins. Take the fruit bats because you can get the community center way sooner if you get those fruit trees. If you don't before you get those fruit trees growing. I love Stardew Valley. Mm. Is there anything else that I'm playing? Um, no, no. Well, I have I have my <laughs> actual I have my actual um, Sega Genesis console here. Um, I've been playing a lot of um, OG Sonic the Hedgehog recently. Okay. Um, like one one of Sega's like like Sega's flagship mascot um, mm-hmm. informing game and just um, having fun with the simplicity of of a character with maybe eh, six actions as opposed to like the 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 many hundreds of variations that Zagreus can do in Hades or mm-hmm. um, your 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 farmer can can do in stardew um. <laughs> yeah i guess that's you know there's something to be said for that i typically like i like games that get a little a little complicated yeah. i was talking about path of exile earlier and that game has like the wildest giant skill tree of just like the all of the different characters are like in the same tree so you could just go over and get other skill points from like other characters but like, so you're talking about how you um, you're playing Hades and Celeste, and you know I played two frames of Celeste, and I was like, not for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't, you know, uh, I feel like I was embarrassed to talk about this when I was like, I had only been, you know, really gaming for like a short amount of time. But I've been playing game, video games my whole life. Um, yeah. I don't like playing games that are hard. It's not mm. enjoyable for me. I like to have a good time when I'm playing video games. So what I like. I love crafting. I love skill mm. trees. I love mm. open world. I don't mm. like having to hit the buttons in exactly this way to make the thing mm. work. That's just not do my you, vibe. Do you remember like what your the first game that you liked was? Yeah, um, it was a Spyro game. It was a Spyro game mm. or a Crash Bandicoot game. It was one of those. Was like the first thing that I remember. Like this is a full game, and I have played all of it and really liked it. I think it was. There's like a handful of games in the Spyro ser- uh, series, but I played yeah. like the middle one. I think I played Ripto's Rage is the one that I played <laughs> <laughs> to start off with. And then I think they got the third one after that. Um, yeah, and the Crash Bandicoot one I played was, it had like a bunch of like Ankh symbols on it, but I don't remember yeah. what the name of the title was. Um, 
But I, yeah. well, I remember, I remember they had a they had a, a racer game to uh, compete with Mario Kart. Right. I played like um, you know those demo discs you can get at GameStop. I think I had yes. like a bunch of those at home. Yeah. <laughs> so I played like the demo of that. Yes. Um, yeah. No. I I I remember what you're talking about. But there were there were always these sort of like level levels of completion like it wasn't just enough to run the level but you could get it more complete by gathering all of the things yeah you have to get like every box or do it at a certain speed yeah i think the first game that i got into as like an adult who could you know choose what games were at their house uh was oblivion and uh Mm. that was like Colin and I moved in together. He had an Xbox. He had some old games on there. And I was like, what's this one about? And he's like, it's like a fantasy open world game. I was like, okay. Um, And then was, you know, so uh, just completely sucked in for many, many hours as it is when you not only start a new character, but start a game like for the first time. Yeah. Um, And, you know, if you played Oblivion, you know that that music is like, is so is so recognizable and nostalgic and the characters just look so bad <laughs> and like you can leap over a house yeah. and like the guards will just like accidentally start fighting each other all the game all the time i love that game so much there's it's, it's no longer just a piece of music like it it, it in, in in a way like when when we attach meaning to it when we when we make a memory to it it, it like it to to the extent that it can, it belongs to us. Yeah, that song, that one. It's not, you know, that's not just a piece of music on the flute. That's oh, that's a loading screen, or I just walked into somebody's house. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is it? Are are there any pieces of music that do that for you? Um, that that come to mind that just are that are that piece of music that that instantly takes you somewhere as soon as you hear it you mean outside of video game music um or if it is a video game mm-hmm. like if it is one like that um, yeah. either way i feel like there's a lot that have like small-ish connections with that i, I think the most obvious ones are um like the song that colin and i walked into for our wedding like our processional song uh like Every time we hear that, like that's obviously just like thinking back to uh, that day. I mean, music, that's, that's how you, it has this um, particular potency with how you form memories. Um, and that's why it's such a powerful art form as well. Like, I mean, a lot of people have a strong visual memory, but I feel like the, like remembering something that happened when you were listening to a song is a really kind of automatic connection. Like in the same way that like um, a scent memory, like something that you haven't smelled in a long time, like really just, immediately like poofs you back there um yeah i would say that there's two albums more so than just like um individual pieces but two albums that i'm always uh they're like driving songs for me that i always have this like particular like this is like a sunrise drive where we just got up and we're we're going out for a hike and it's like um alexi murdoch's time without consequence and basically any jose gonzalez but i think specifically Oh, what is the album called? The one that has heartbeats on it. <laughs> that one. <laughs> um, but those, uh, those, yeah, they're always just like, yeah, this is our morning going to a hike drive song. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I can't figure out whether to be 
to be incredibly ashamed of this or or to scream it proudly um there has unexpectedly been some edm that has done that for me that's and fine sp- and specifically um specifically i, I had a a friend, uh, not from not from Connecticut, Berkeley, but from California, Berkeley, who introduced mm-hmm. me to the Dirty South, um, and just I don't know, like yeah, and yeah, it's it's um, th- there's just there's just something about the beat being there and being able to get lost in, in it. Um, there's like a euphoria aspect to it. I think it's mm. like it becomes sort of. Um, like one step below overwhelming. So just like you don't really have the capacity to pay attention to a lot of other stuff. I mean, that's that's what I feel, mm. I think, for a lot of like louder electronic music. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, that's a, that's such a good call. Um, thank you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't listen to a lot of EDM, but I have a job where I like have to listen to a lot of different tracks um, for um, for licensing stuff, and a lot of that happens to be uh, like in the electronica category or like electronic dance music. So there's a lot of things that like I would never seek this out. Like I am not going to Spotify and looking for whatever this genre may be. But like mm-hmm. I'm still just like you know grooving over here as I'm working. In a piece of music that that you you might listen to for work maybe you don't like it maybe you know as soon as you start listening to it you you're not going to like it um Mm -hmm. but but you still listen to it because there's work and you you still have the groove to it um tell me about the process of finding something that feels if not necessarily relatable or or something that you can identify with something that something that allows you to find that groove? Um, so with the, with the job that I'm talking about, so what I'm doing is like listening to tracks that are meant for licensing for like uh, commercials, uh, indie movies, yeah. YouTube channels and things like that. Um, and I think liking it doesn't really come into it. Uh, like that's not the... Um, that's not the way at which I'm looking at this um, because so much of it is like... Um, is really corporate, like really meant for what I, I like my go-to is like, this feels like it would be on a paper towel commercial, um, which is, um, which is like, it's the genre of like folk pop. So um, there's usually a ukulele, an acoustic guitar, maybe a shaker, and then a yeah. glockenspiel. And that's like, that's the vibe. And there's just like, man, there's so many of these. So as soon as you hear it, just like, Yep, I know. I know exactly what this is about. Um, but you know, when I get things that are um, a bit less often heard, or like every once in a while, there's something that's like actually a genre that I listen to. I'm like, ooh, I love. I'm gonna let this play all the way through instead of just like <laughs> jumping through it. I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that are bringing you artistic fulfillment. And uh, when we were preparing uh, for the show and 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 chatting a bit, you told me that you have a folk opera coming i do yeah i you know i i did a kickstarter for my next album yes it's a folk opera which uh, i think a lot of people don't know that term because i didn't know that term um but you probably recognize the term rock opera um that's um so what that means is i started with one song that i was like oh, i want this to have like this cool kind of like mythology story behind it but i can't find you know i was looking through like wikipedia pages for different like different greek myths or roman myths or something like that and i couldn't find the exact thing i was looking for 
I guess it would have been closer to like Norse mythology. Um, and I wrote the song anyways and like had some ideas about like, okay, so there's a, there's a bad guy and the bad guy is like this and there's like these characters and they're dealing with this. Um, and uh, from there, I was inspired to kind of build a whole story out of it or rather had the idea that that could happen and then slowly kind of like, I think two or three more songs kind of came out that I, th that I thought like, I think this goes with that. Like, I think these are in the same setting. Um, and then over, you know, the time I spent playing on Twitch and talking about this, I decided like, I'm tired of this being, you know, three quarters of the way finished. I wrote all the remaining songs. I think I wrote, I want to say seven like songs or halves of songs like within three or four days to be like I'm done with this like this is this is what's happening now two of these are reprises and you know there's an instrumental one here that's going to be like this journey going on um but the album is called Skybound uh and it follows these um uh, these these two characters uh in this what I'm picturing as kind of like a Nordic forest town um that is maybe plagued by this antagonist character that um, sometimes takes the form of the, like, the Northern Lights of the Aurora Borealis and that has like a sound attached to it. And if you hear it, it like um, kind of uh, entrances you and you have to follow out to where she kind of like, I don't know, you know, it kills you in a way that seems a bit more <laughs> artistic. Uh, yeah, but it's this, this love story between someone who's not from this town and someone who's been there her whole life. Um, and, you know, the stress of this being a dangerous situation to be involved in and, you know, not feeling like you can leave, but also not feeling like it's safe for this person to stay and how they build a relationship out of that and how it eventually leads to um, a, a bittersweet ending that um, I guess, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to say this without giving everything away, <laughs> a bittersweet ending that, um, kind of plays with where the lines of where mortal life ends and what happens yeah. after that. Um, like it's called Skybound and uh, these people end up uh, through many different events and uh, scary moments uh, being these basically these, uh, these guardians at the end who are connected in the sky as constellations to kind of take over that antagonist role. So I guess I gave a lot of it away. <laughs> you painted this incredible um, just story, as you said, of myth, um, mm -hmm. and, and you and, you, and with um, rooted in Norse Norse mythology, but mystery and intrigue, um, romance, like not 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 in the sense of like uh, of like modern relationships, but just the 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 sense of allure. Um, um and, and i i can't wait to i can't wait to get get to be one of your one of your listeners yeah thank you um i'm really when, excited for it to be done <laughs> yeah i believe it um how is it to what sort of like helps you like to sort of sit in the the tension of like the the already of the music being composed but the not yet of it not being being of being released yet what what helps you sort um, of like it's extremely stressful uh because i i it was kind of dealing with a lot of people uh during the actual like tracking recording process and that part was like me kind of coordinating coordinating everyone's schedules to come into the studio and get everything done yeah. 
in an amount of time that made sense. Um, but it's just like a lot of communication and miscommunication and things taking a lot longer than I thought they would. And like, I thought this person was like working on this part of the project, but they were not. And uh, things like that, where it's just like, okay, I mean, maybe you could call this my fault, but I don't really feel like, you know, I don't really feel like it is. And things just didn't happen at the speed I wanted them to. Um, but it's really only, I think it's really only disappointing to myself, right? Like I'm most concerned with like, oh, I wanted this to come out in this day. And no, what I actually want is for it to be done uh, well and to not feel like horribly stressed out that I'm not doing enough to promote it. Because I think yeah. a lot of um, a lot of the guides say you want to give yourself about two months of promotion time. Yeah. Um, so now I'm hoping that this will be finished up soon so I can start getting into the, like, I'm going to send it off to uh, the players and uh, start getting into promotion stuff, which is also stressful, but in a, in a different way. It's just, yeah. um, as, a, as a musician today, like, you're expected to do every single thing. Um, you're expected to do, like, you know, social media marketing and know, like, the music biz and be your own, be your own booker and, like, be the person who coordinates every single thing, does all of your, like, designing. I'm hiring designers and stuff, but, like, there's just a lot. It's a yeah. big ask for anyone who makes their own music. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've, I've definitely been incredibly stressed out about it, just, like, the stress that you can't do anything about like it's just it's there and like i wish this was done and i can't do anything about it and yeah. so i shouldn't care but i i do i really do uh but you know at some point this year it'll be out and hopefully it will be well liked i mean i think it will be but i released my first album in april of 2020 and that was the time it was going to come out like that it was already sent right. off like that was the release date right. um and, you know, when three weeks before that, maybe four weeks before that, when uh, things started going to hell, I was just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. Because if you have an album coming out, you're supposed to, like, play a ton of shows and, you know, be really involved in your local scene. And right. uh, suddenly that wasn't an option. Um, you know, I had a big release plan, release party plan that I was going to get to play a big show for. And uh, it's just not the case anymore or wasn't the case anymore. But um hoping for something a little more exciting for this release rather than just like telling Instagram, Hey, it's out today. You know? Yeah. I mean, worst case scenario, like you, I, I can't, I can't wait for, uh, I can't wait for your, um, your designers to finish your, your, your visual content um, so that I can slap an, a sticker on my new Nalgene bottle. Oh, okay. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about stickers. <laughs> Maybe we should get into stickers. I do love stickers. I wonder. Um, we we talked about it a little bit, um, but whether 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 it's a, a preview from Skybound or something else that feels feels right in this moment. I, I wonder if you might be open to to gracing us with a, a, a little a little bit of music. Yeah, I'm happy to. I'm all like plugged in and ready. Um, so I was planning on playing two, but can just do one from Skybound if you want. Either way. Um, would I, I? I would love to hear anything you'll play. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. Um, I wrote a song called "Linoleum," um, which you know is such a weird name for a song. Why would you call a song mm -hmm. after flooring? Uh, so this song is about um, this idea that as an artist, you have to like scratch away at your like trauma and at your soul in order to make good art, or the fact that yeah. like if you don't, you're seen as like 
not taking risks or in these boxes or not writing, not making something interesting. Um, so yeah, I wrote this song called Linoleum and I'm just gonna scoot back and get, get it up here. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just looked down and noticed a button was hit the whole time. Um, have I had reverb on my voice this whole time? You have. Oh my God. Shit. Personally, I, I, I enjoyed it so deeply, but, uh, <laughs> it, it, it sounded fine. I wish like you would was... have said something. I didn't know it was on. <laughs> oh, it's all right. Okay. <laughs> no, you're... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> was... All right. It'll just be very dramatic. <laughs> this, this, will be, this, this will be the most perfect outtake in the world. Ah, <laughs> uh, crap. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. I'm going to sing a song now. I'm going to put the reverb back on because I didn't think it was on before, but I guess it was. <laughs> All love, all love, I uh, promise. Yeah, sorry uh, about your podcast audio now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My mouth is filled with crumpled paper The scraps I've learned to hide my fingers reach for ink again, but the canvases stay white. Guarding rooms of empty walls with paint-filled cracks and linoleum floors. When my legs lead to the door, maybe I'll go to the museum see the works that hurt the best maybe listen to an album one that proves i don't deserve to rest The stack of empty frames sits by the shelf of books unread. I've made my space by boxing up the works into which I've led. Maybe this old house has some nice hardwoods. We can let the sky down and find out where the light is good. I don't want to be afraid, but I don't want to be contained. I don't want to be contained. I am peeling back linoleum from foundations very deep. I am shaking all the dust off the memories with teeth. 
I am shattering the glasses and I'm scattering these ashes as I'm peeling back linoleum. I am peeling back linoleum. Turning the reverb off now when I'm not singing. <laughs> Turning the reverb off. Amazing concept. Uh, <laughs> um, <sighs> thanks. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like there's... Hmm, so grateful for that. Um, I can't wait to... Um, I... I, I um, Yes, uh, when when I was listening to your to your last album, um, I was it, it it was it's my cycling music. Um, oh, okay. Like when I'm when I'm doing like my 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 fifteen or twenty at the end of the day, um, mm-hmm. it's it's in my earbuds. Um, I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, well, it's it's just one of these things where there's. In, in in a conventional in a conventional pop album, like there's there's a starting, there's an ending, there's there's a sonic world that gets created um, with whatever three, four, or five minutes that you get to enjoy uh, of a song. It, I, if it, I mean, if it's top forty, it's shorter than that. Um, mm-hmm. But you've you've created a moment um, in in your music. You cre- you create the, these moments that that express an affect. Um, and that, um, that, that transport the listener to just another place. Um, I love that. And, uh, and, and that's just so, so special. Um, I, I, so, so I, I, I wonder, um, because it is podcast, I, I, I gotta ask, do you, do you have, are you, are you ready to play anything from Skybound that you'd be comfortable Yeah, I, I play like all of the, the like, you know, single style songs. I play all of them on my stream. Um, so that's like everyone on the stream has been like really familiar with uh, all yeah. this music and all the album. Uh, whereas like the rest of my like social media doesn't really know almost anything about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd be happy to play a Skybound song. I'll give you, um, hmm. Okay, so I'm going to play um, the last bit that's sung on this album. Uh, there's an instrumental track that comes after this that's the title track called Skybound. Um, this one's called Only For You. Um, and a couple lines of this you'll hear in an earlier track when it's um, you know a little bit different context when they're at a different yeah. point in you know what their outlook is. 
Um, but a lot of these songs are half and half with um, the two characters. Uh, so the the other main character character who's not sung by me, uh, the name is Theodrid for the character, uh, is singing this first half. And you'll hear, I think, pretty clearly like where first half and second half is. And then my character sings the second half. That's like the whole ending. Um, so this is called Only For You. <clears throat> Oh, 
what a gift thanks what a gift um so grateful that you that you're that you're here with us tonight and in the world doing creating like beautiful things um what a gift thank you so much it's very sweet um i have just one final question for us to um to to, to wrap us up um and that is that is the same question we've asked everybody. Um, what do you want the world to look like when you're done with it? <sighs> I I would want people to uh, come together to make art and music more often in a way that feels uh, like it reaches part of the soul and I would want people to find um, a little more magic in the natural world around them and take good care of it as we are you know borrowing it from future future generations so yeah I mean nature and music that's my whole vibe <laughs> there's other things in there too but it's just that's those are the main bits yeah and good plants and 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 a good bed frame too and a good bed frame. Yeah. And my desk is in here now. I'm not at like a <laughs> kitchen table anymore. <laughs> yeah. Upgrading. Upgrading one little piece at a time. Or a big piece. Oh my God. You should have seen them trying to get my couch down the stairs. Took a very <laughs> long time. It was not, that's not a job for me. That's a job for professionals who are paid to do this stuff. <laughs> Those those big muscly burly people, yeah. Yeah. Well, it turns out if you have a piano moved, they can like just move other things too. They just know how to move pianos. Words to live by: get a piano, yeah. Then go move, and move the rest of your life too. Yeah, it'll only knock you down like eleven hundred dollars. Funds to live by too, I guess. Um, Octavia Macaluna, what a what a gift to have you here, and thank you so much um, for sharing with us your uncommon good. Yeah, it's been so great. It's been really fun to talk to you. My thanks to Octavia Macaluna. You can listen to her folk opera Skybound everywhere you listen to music. Check out her website octaviamacaluna.com. Watch her perform live on Twitch at the number eight V I A. Follow her on Instagram and YouTube. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in to Uncommon Good with Polly Reese. This program is produced in Southwest Philadelphia on the unceded land of the Lenny Lenape tribe and the Black Bottom community. If you enjoyed listening to the show, please support us by leaving us a five-star review and a comment and subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help people find us. Uncommon Good is also available on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at Uncommon Good Pod. You can follow us there for closed captioned video content and more goodies. We love, 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 love questions and feedback. 
You can send us a DM on social media, get in the comments on one of our videos, or send us an email at uncommongoodpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, wishing you every uncommon good to do your uncommon good to be the uncommon good.